Okay, well, hello and welcome to another episode of Take the Two. Now, we had quite an entertaining round of football. I guess maybe the one upset, which was the Dogs over the Knights. A couple of teams that probably fought more valiantly than we may have thought. So it made for quite quite an interesting round all round, didn't it, Tom? Yeah, definitely. It was a uh, little bit easier last week for the tipsters, but this week's uh, looking like it's going to be back to the back to the challenging games. There's a number of games this week that look like they could go one way, but could easily just uh, swing the other way. Yeah, well, I mean, literally, in the first first game on Thursday night is literally smack bang in the middle of that. Obviously, we got the Dragons and the Rabbitohs, 10th versus 11th. I mean, look, I guess the Dragons probably last week, we know they lost to the Sharks narrowly. Their start was, I mean, not great at all. But certainly, they, you know, that, that charge at the back end of the first and into the second half certainly, you know, made the score a lot, a lot closer than, than what it was initially, obviously, on the back of, I guess, Lomax and Dufty yet again, who just seem to be forming some combination down that right edge. Uh, and then for the Bunnies, yeah, I mean, I guess there's really – they weren't great against against the Raiders. I mean, obviously, I guess not, neither side was great in that game. But I think overall, once – I guess once the Raiders sort of got in that defensive sort of mindset, particularly in the second half, the the, the Bunnies just couldn't do anything more and, and, and their attack just became stunted, didn't it, Tom? Yeah, it definitely did. And, you know, we've seen over the last few years how Canberra can do that to teams. They've done it time and time again, and we saw it again, as you said, last week. And I think they'll be a lot better this week, obviously, with the addition of Latrell Mitchell. I think probably a couple of weeks out probably uh, would have done the Rabbitohs some good and just finding a little bit of speed to their shapes. And I think now once you inject Latrell back, that little bit of extra power running on the back, they can become really dangerous against the Dragons, who, yes, they've been better the last few weeks, but... Still don't think they quite have what it takes to really challenge those top teams. And you know, Souths are in an interesting spot right now. You know, they're sort of hanging on the edge, and they really need to string a couple of wings together if they want to make the eight. Because right now, it's looking like they could just mix miss out. Obviously, in that battle with the Sharks, Knights, and Tigers for those final two spots. I think for me, it's going to be interesting this week to watch uh, the Dragons how they go with Ben Hunt back at halfback and uh, Cam McInnes at hooker as well. I'm uh, pretty keen to see Jackson Ford. Hasn't been given a lot of uh, opportunity this year, but into the starting role this week, so he could be one to watch. And then on the other side, it'd be interesting to see whether Alex Johnston winds up. Obviously, he had those issues with concussion last week, so uh, they've got Corey Allen on the bench in case he uh, can't make it, but I think they'll definitely be hoping he can he can suit up because they're a much better team with AJ on the park. Yeah, definitely. I mean, certainly, and, and I guess any time you have a such a great finisher on the wing especially and, you know, a guy that comes with speed, it always always puts you in a better position to, to get those, those, point, those points and tries that you need. I mean, I guess equally for the Dragons, too, I mean, they've got Tristan Saylor on the bench. Obviously, Saab is out because Pereira is back from suspension. But, yeah, Tristan Saylor on the bench would be interesting to see how, how McGregor sort of utilises him and whether it will be a straight swap for a winger or given Saylor's versatility, whether, I guess, I don't know, maybe you even give Benny Hunt a spell or McInnes a spell and sort of slot him into the halves. It's sort of, I guess that's the downside to having it a player that is as versatile as Saylor is sort of just, you don't really know how he fits into a side as such. Yeah, 100%. And it might just be a case of like we've seen with Jordan Rapano down at the Raiders um, in his time off the bench where he's not necessarily thrown into the spine like a traditional utility, but can just be thrown into the anywhere, any spot in the back line when needed and can really help cover some of those injuries as they arise throughout the game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it should be interesting one. As, as, as we said earlier, 10th versus 11th. So I guess... Both teams are pretty evenly matched, but it's yeah, it's a very hard one to go either way, just because you know tenth and eleventh, you know, literally means that they're, I guess, sort of neck and neck, and sort of not really much between them. But it'll be an interesting first up game on the Thursday night. 
obviously first game on Friday, look, we you know, we head to the Sydney Cricket Ground. I guess not a not a, a modern venue that would expect the Tigers to play too much at Tom, but you know, that's where your mob is playing at this week. Obviously, I guess you're probably more disappointed with the probably obviously the Tigers started like a bat out of hell, literally. You know, Luciano Leilua scores in the first well, first minute was like fifty five seconds on the clock. And then from there it sort of I guess didn't go downhill. I don't think the Tigers were too bad, but I think it was sort of more more of a case of the Eels found their mojo and sort of just went into that sort of defensive grind and, and it just became more difficult for the Tigers to I guess get the roll on that they had in that in that first that first passage. Yeah, hundred percent I think your Eels just had a little bit too much strike power in the end. Tigers probably didn't get the rub of the green on a couple of occasions and I think the loss of Adam Dewey was larger than most people um, expected. I know he didn't play great when he was on the field, but obviously you take your fullback out of any any side and they, they're not going to quite be as sharp on attack as they could be. And I think when you're playing against the top team in the competition or one of the top teams, then you really got to be on your game. And I think that really hurt us uh, down the track. But I think, yeah, you nailed it there in saying that the Tigers played pretty well last week. And I was, you know, as Madge McGuire said, I think he was pretty proud of the effort that um, they put in against uh, a really top quality opposition and uh, especially the forward pack I thought uh, Josh Alia really stood up this week they'll get Luke Garner and Alex Twile back obviously what's been spoken on social media about Sean Bohr and uh, how good he was against Nathan Brown so yeah you probably like to back them in against the Warriors but it's going to be you know a completely new Warriors lineup this week with all those guys flying home and yeah one that yeah it could be an unexpected uh, result this one. Yeah, but this, you know, certainly, I mean, you would expect the Tigers to win, but I mean, on the Tigers, Tom, like what sort of, obviously, you know, as you said, you know, Alex Twa comes back, Garner comes back, obviously, Bloor had a good debut, he's, you know, big kid as well and everything. I guess the Tigers coming into this last week's game against the Eels, even, you know, even some of your own fans were like, oh, you know, we're too small, need bigger guys, obviously, as as depth plays as well. What difference will it make to the team for you as as a Tigers fan to have sort of those those big boppers coming back in, obviously in Twal, guess a bit more size and, and sort of security, I guess, with Garner in the back row as well. Are you expecting, I guess, a more cohesive performance across the board from the pack? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think what Alex Twal brings is he just brings stability to the side, especially in defence, obviously. In the start of this year, I've got his stats here. He made 285 tackles at an efficiency of 97%. Like, those stats are just insane. And add to that, what he does on attack with just his solid runs out of the back, sort of, you know, third, fourth play, getting up over the 30 and 40 metre line, just into a better position to, to get your kick away. And, you know, he's your classic Aiden Tolman style, meat and potatoes player, but he plays such an important role in the Tigers side. As you said, you know, it's never been much of a secret that Tigers over the probably the past decade haven't been the largest side, but, you know, you, You've got a couple of guys in there with your your Bloor and your your Twile that can that they're not maybe not the biggest but they can play big and they can really match those opposition forwards and it's going to be important this week because you're up against uh, Tanua Brown and Hetherington and we saw what Hetherington did last week he really got under um, Warrior Hargrave's skin and put him off his game a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean I guess just on that point you know, certainly if you if you'd gone into the game thinking that the Warriors were going to really give it to the Roosters in pretty much. I guess more in a defensive way, but, you know, stick with them for so long. And I guess essentially shut down Tedesco and Kiri in many respects, given how good they've been this year, you would have been laughed out of the room. But certainly, yeah, as you said, you know, Hetherington, you know, Tanoa Brown as well. Eli Katoa came back, scored a pretty good try. And yeah, I, mean, I think just that sort of, I guess, obviously the Warriors probably know they can't make the finals, but that, you know, they're certainly, despite losing all these guys, obviously we know that there's now five players back, five players have gone back to New Zealand. 
So they've got George Jennings and Daniel Alvaro loaned from the Eels, so obviously just to give them more depth, and, you know, both are in the 17. But, you know, the Warriors, I think, I guess maybe that's a testament to Todd Payton as well. He's obviously trying to tell players, look, there's a spot open, you know, spots are available for next year, make the most of it, you know, I guess show me what you've got, presuming he'll be there next year, we obviously don't know. But it was quite quite an impressive performance from the Warriors last week, wasn't it, Tom? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, as you said, no one was expecting them to challenge, and they did pretty well in the end. Obviously, that Joey Manu try right at the end just put the game out of reach for them, but they're in it for a good stretch of the uh, of the match. I thought one guy that uh, really you know, improved their side, and we saw it last week, was Jazz Tavanga. Obviously, coming in into that lock role, I think he topped the ta- tackle count. Obviously, when you put him with Toru Harris, and as you said, Eli Katoa, I've got a nice little back row uh, combo going there. And yeah, I think the Warriors, are, again, they might be a team like we saw last year with the Bulldogs, where down the stretch, they can just nab a couple of wins against teams they're not expected to. And in the end, they could be the ones that sort of determine, you know, who makes the finals, who doesn't, who makes the top four, just by causing a few couple of upsets here and there. Yeah, look, an interesting one. Obviously, you know, I guess, you know, you expect the same intensity from the Warriors, but probably... I guess given given what's on the line for the Tigers and being I guess in ninth position, we know how we know all, you know that's now become the butt of all social media jokes. On I guess <laughs> unfortunately for for Tigers fans, Tom, but I guess it's certainly a chance for the Tigers to get some momentum heading into these last you know seven eight rounds of the season and pushing for that bottom eight spot. Yeah, hundred percent. I even saw a sports bet today released a market with West Tigers to come ninth and. I thought $4 is pretty good value there for <laughs> something that's been a near certainty over the last few years. But you'd expect uh, Michael Maguire to have them up for this one. And I think this year, what, what we've seen, even in the games that they've lost, the Tigers have been a much tougher outfit. Um, even last week against the Eels, I think. Similar to what I've heard you speak about with the Eels over the past few weeks. But, you know, I think in the past, we might have seen the Tigers roll over and sort of concede 30, 40, 51 points at Bankwest. But... You know, they, they stuck in there and uh, kept in the grind and they weren't able to pull out the win in the end, but they certainly uh, put up a tough, tough performance. Not for sure. I mean, look, certainly you got the players to, you know, perform well enough to make the eight. It's obviously just about beating, I guess, you know, those lower teams, but perfect chance to do it on Friday night. And I mean, I guess, we, you know, the second game on Friday is very much a game of a similar, similar story. You know, we got the Broncos who... Look, to their credit, probably the first 20, 25 minutes against the Storm, you know, it looked like, oh, hey, look, I guess maybe this one may not be a blowout, but second half, is, you know, aside, aside like the Storm, they just blew the Broncos off the park. Cameron Smith, despite being 50 years old or however old he is, just seems to dictate the play. Um, so, look, it wasn't a great showing from them. Obviously, in move to the Sharks, we know that they, had, they did have that narrow win against the Dragons. Probably... I mean, I mean, like a few sides in this competition, the Sharks, as well as they can attack, their defence leaves a lot of questions to, to, oh, I guess a lot of questions unanswered as to whether they can stop teams from scoring against them, doesn't it, Tom? Yeah, 100%. It's a massive concern for them, obviously. I think they've conceded nearly 250 points this year, which puts them, you know, well in the, the bottom eight in terms of defence. And if they want to be a finals contender, they're really going to have to fix that up. We've heard guys like Craig Bellamy over the years um, state the importance of defence to title run and as good as some of their players have been that we've spoken about over the last few weeks guys like Royce Hunt and Toby Rudolph and Talakai if, if they don't fix it up then they're no chance of going deep this year and I think a team like the Broncos they could they could challenge in this one obviously you know so much has been said this year and still no David Feeder in there it'll be interesting to see how he gets managed moving forward after 
obviously the news that's come out this week, but I'm I'm pretty keen to see uh, the half pairing of Anthony Milford and Tom Dearden. I thought Dearden steered the ship pretty well in that first half last week. Obviously, the wheels fell off a little bit in the second half, as you said, with Cam Smith just um, ruling the show. But under that Ford pack, you never want to write the Broncos off in a game. And I think they can definitely put up a good fight in this one. Yeah, but interesting clash. I mean, I think another big in for them as well is Jake Turpin. Obviously, look, I guess in a Broncos side that was not playing great, or I guess since 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 the resumption after COVID, he certainly he was probably still one of their top players, and you know he's in that vein of hooker that sort of is you know this smaller, but obviously you know, he's crafty, he's you know nippy, can knows when to run, gets the ball off the ground quickly, chest height pass to you know really get the forwards to get over the advantage line and, and put as much pressure on the opposition defence as possible. So it'd be interesting to see whether he can come back and have that sort of similar impact that he had before he was injured, which was, what, some four or five weeks ago now. And, I mean, that's they've, they've been sorely missing just that guy in the ruck that can sort of control the game even even to a, a small degree. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, two out of three of their wins this year have come with Turpin in the side. And, you know, it's perhaps a case of correlation rather than causation, but I think he can definitely make a big impact in this side. Obviously, they're uh, ruining the loss of Andrew McCulloch at the moment. He's injured as well. But I think Turpin will really improve the direction of this side, and along with Tom Dearden, uh, they could put some points on the board. Yeah, a bit interesting one to watch. I mean, obviously, you know, you, most people would tip the Sharks, but it may not be a, a blowout per se that many are thinking. But I guess time will tell, and we'll just you know wait and see how it goes. So first game on Saturday, now we have the Roosters and the Titans, again at the cricket ground, cricket ground seeing a lot of action this weekend. But yeah, look, I mean, we touched on the Roosters, I guess, you know, they certainly were not at their best by any means against the Warriors, but that's also a testament to the Warriors and, and you know, not so much the Roosters per se. But look, I guess it's a, it's a very similar game in many ways coming up against the Titans who, you know, much like the Roosters and the Warriors last week, people probably thought, oh, yep, yeah, Titans and Penrith, Easy win for Penrith, etc., etc. You know, Penrith had a couple of outs for sure, but the Titans they they took them all the way, didn't they, Tom? In that one as well. Yeah, definitely. Both these sides are obviously coming off results that you know, if you just look at the scoreline, were probably what we, we all expected. But if you watch the game, there was certainly anything but. And yeah, I thought the Titans were pretty good against Penrith. Um, obviously, they completed pretty well, just over eighty percent. But in the end, I think Nathan Cleary just got the best of them. With his game control there, Jerome Will I played pretty well for Penrith as well, but 45% possession just wasn't enough for the Titans to get over the line. And on the other hand, the Roosters, I think Trent Robinson will be really uh, firing a rocket up their backside this week because uh, they were pretty woeful, as you said. Um, not what we come to expect. I wonder whether this weekend we might finally see the uh, the try for Ryan Hall. Obviously, it's been a long time at the club now with no with uh, no four pointers for him, so possibly. It might be this week, or we might be seeing another five for Matt Nicobalo on the other side. But it'll be an interesting one. Again, you probably like to back the, the Roosters in here, but you know, the Titans are every chance to keep this one relatively close. Or at the same time, this one could be another 50-point blowout. Yeah, we just never know these days, do we? But yeah, look, the, to credit to the Titans, obviously we can sort of see what Holbrook is trying to achieve in terms of you know structure. Obviously, much like Todd Payton at the, at the, at the Warriors, he's obviously... I guess put not an ultimatum, but sort of put the challenge out to his players and said, look, there's spots up for grabs next year. We know that they're going to have some turnover as well. So he said, look, if you're on a spot, you've got to work hard, play hard. And I guess that message is sort of getting through and, and, and they are taking it to sides that on paper are certainly 
looking better than than they are, and obviously results wise as well, given the positions on the ladder, Tom. Yeah, definitely. I thought Jamal Foggy played pretty well last week. Obviously, grabbed that uh, intercept try in the first half to keep really kept the game close. But I think it's good to see Ke- Keegan Hipgrave back in the second row as well this week, uh, along with Jai Arrow and Kevin Proctor. He'll bring a little bit more experience into the forward pack, and that's going to be super important. Obviously, up against um, the likes of Orbison and Weir Hargraves and uh, Takiyahu. Yeah, look, I'm I'm actually liking the Titans' prop rotation at the moment. To be honest, obviously we've got Fox Weicker. We know what he can do and how good he's been. But Jamin Jolliffe is certainly, I guess, probably not many people would have known too much about him when he came in. But he certainly held his own and certainly seems to be making an impact. And we have a, I guess, a resurgent Jared Wallace as well, who's come back in the last what two to three weeks and performed well. And I guess you know a bit more punch with Sam Lasoni coming back in as well. So. so They've got a pretty good, you know, one, two, three, four punch in that prop rotation as well at the moment, don't they? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something they've developed really well is, you know, perhaps they don't have the real high-level talent, but they've got some good solid depth. Obviously, we've spoken about Aaron Clark in the past. He's sitting in the reserves. AJ Brimson's still in the reserves as well. So they've got some good players sitting on the pine and, you know, a little bit of healthy competition there. And as you said, spots on the line for next year. And I think they'll be a much improved team moving forward. Yeah, certainly plenty of things to be excited about as a, as a Titans fan, which we you know we'll touch on a bit later on when it comes to the news section. But look, our second game on Saturday, we've got the Cowboys and Raiders. Now, look, you know, we touched on the Raiders and their win last week against the Bunnies, where, look, you know, probably, I guess our first 20, 25 minutes was quite evenly matched overall. But, you know, certainly once, I guess more so the second half than the first, the Raiders just went back to pretty much that form that saw them make the grand final last season. You know, they're just that they score the points that they need and then they just they grind grind the team pretty much down to a pulp essentially in terms of limiting their opportunities and they you know they make the most of the two or three opportunities that they get as we saw with Sammy Valame who scored his first try in the NRL last week as well. I mean look and it's against the Cowboys side who they did lose to Manly but you know look they weren't too bad on the whole I guess obviously They've, they've got quite a young spine now as well with, you know, Hammer at fullback. They've got Dave Gianassi, who's looked pretty good since coming into into first grade. Jake Clifford at halfback and Reece Robson Hooker. So, obviously, that's going to be a – if all four of them stick around, it's going to be a combination to, I guess, to work on moving forward. But probably the major talking point out of this one, Tom, is it's whether he plays or not, John Bateman is back at in the back row. We obviously know he's going to Wigan from next season, but – I guess it's been will he or won't he come back for what some, I guess four to six weeks now. Yeah, definitely, and probably good to see him back for the Raiders. You know, we've spoken about um, as you said, you know, would Ricky Stewart play him? But in the end, he's probably just too good a player to leave out. And with so many injuries going on, you know, it's starting to become uh, hard to believe how many Raiders are in the casualty ward with guys like Chance Nickel Clockstad this week. And it'll be interesting this week to see how Rapana goes at fullback. From memory, I can't really recall him playing much fullback at NRL level. Uh, obviously, he played a little bit of utility, as we were speaking about earlier. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what sort of role he plays, whether he plays similar to Nickel Clockstad or perhaps takes a little bit more of a ball-playing role. We obviously know that Clockstad loves to, to run it and run it hard and on the other side, it would be a good battle between the fullbacks because I think uh, the hammer, Hamside Tebowaifito, has been really coming into his own the last few weeks. Scored that great try last week. And then he had that 80-metre run against uh, Manly. Couldn't quite get over the line there. But I thought he was pretty, pretty impressive. But, I mean, in the end, this game really is just going to come down to the, 
the battle we've all been waiting for, I guess. Jason Tamalolo up against Josh Papali, two guys that just love to put their team on their back and just carry the side. And I thought Tamalolo perhaps was a little bit outdone last week by Fanua Blake. I think Fanua Blake got him in terms of run meters. So I'm sure this week he uh, won't want to let it happen again. And yeah, it's um, going to be an interesting one. He's probably back the Raiders in here, but I think this is uh, going to be closer than most people think. Yeah, look, I'm expecting the same. I mean, certainly the Raiders have been inconsistent this year. I mean, you just, you know, we saw it, what, pretty much from the, re- since the resumption, they had that, that stretch of games where they just, they couldn't couldn't score points and their defence let them down. Obviously, the defensive side certainly looks to have picked up a little bit, but they probably want the attack to, I guess, get rolling more than it has been so far. But just to the Rapana point, I'm just having a look. So he's played, the last game he played at fullback, was back in 2015. Every other game has been on the wing, so I guess the fullback role has certainly changed since he would have last played it. But look, I mean, we know he's he's a versatile player. He's certainly, you know, we, we've all seen what he can do. So I guess you you'd back him to, you know, to play well. I guess obviously it's just a question of dealing with the high ball more often, as you know, the fullback can be targeted a bit more. But yeah, and, and anything but a Raiders win in this one in a, in a you know a closely fought game would probably probably be a surprise. Yeah, I mean, the forward packs match up pretty nicely, but you probably just think that that uh, Raiders back line has got a little bit too much class and experience. You know, if you look at the matchups, guys like George Williams on Jake Clifford, Jack Whiten on Dejan Arce, Kotrick on Tolongi, Scott on Lemelu, they're just, you know, all the Cowboys guys are super talented, but just that extra little bit of class and experience from the Raiders. Yeah, probably gets them over the line. Well, our third and final game on the Saturday, we've got the Seagulls and the Panthers. Look, it's first versus eighth. Obviously, we touched on Manly and their win against the Cowboys, which look, I think with Manly, it's probably worth noting. I mean, this is taking nothing away from Daly Cherry Evans. We know he's played for Queensland, played for Australia. He's a top half. We know what he can do and has done for, what, the better part of six or seven years now, or even, you know, even slightly longer. But Kate Cust coming to that 5'8 role, Tom, has, I guess, given Manly a bit of a... You know, a bit more spark in a way. Obviously, you know, he scored scored a, you know, a good try on the weekend and sort of just gives them, I guess, something a bit different. He's obviously, he's not your traditional, I guess, lanky sort of half. He's a bit bigger. Obviously, you know, can sort of make it more difficult to get him down on the edge and, and I guess, prevent him from, from making plays. But he's certainly been quite a good foil for Cherry Evans since Dylan Walker's been out, hasn't he? Oh, 100%, I think. I was, and a lot of people were writing off Manly as a finals contender this year as soon as Tom Travojevic went down, and then you had Dylan Walker out as well, and Cade Cust has really stepped up to the plate, and yeah, I think it's going to be pretty tough to drop him you know, if Dylan Walker comes straight back into that side, so it'd be interesting to see what Haswell does there, but another guy that I've been super impressed with over the last few weeks has been Danny Levi, a hooker. I thought uh, he got that try last week as well, but he's been solid, just giving good serviceable um, output there, and yeah, it'll definitely be an interesting one this week. Yeah, should be. I mean, certainly, you know, Manly, we know what they can do. And as we touch on with Penrith and their game against the Titans, I mean, you know, Penrith went up 10 or 12 nil, whatever it was. People were thinking, oh, here we go. But I don't know what it was. I guess whether it was a bit of overconfidence or they sort of just went away from their game plan and, and tried to do something different. And obviously it allowed the Titans to storm back into that contest with those, you know, those two, two tries in two minutes to end the first half. But it wasn't a typical Penrith performance, was it, Tom? They were a bit sluggish. They sort of, I guess, probably, as I said, sort of didn't didn't quite play the way that we've, 
used to, we're used to seeing them play and and whatnot. And look, I think it's worth mentioning. I mean, I guess we know what Cleary can do. I mean, much like Cherry Evans as well. You know, we know what Nathan Cleary can do, how good he can be. But certainly, he, he's certainly being helped by an informed Jerome Law at the moment. Yeah, hundred percent. I think uh, just on last week's game, I, I thought that you know we spoke about how how well the Titans did to sort of stand up to a a much more fancied Penrith outfit, but I guess that scoreline at halftime didn't really tell the full story. I think that um, everyone was shocked if you'd watched the game to see Penrith down because they were just absolutely dominating that first half. And I think it'll be an interesting one how they sort of maneuver with Jerome Willi moving forward. Obviously, uh, we, they had Matt Burton in around the side in the early stretches of the season when Nathan Cleary was out with that TikTok suspension. But ever since he's been back, has really stepped up, as you said, and he's really running that left edge. Um, superbly, and I think it's similar to what we've seen at uh, Parramatta with Dylan Brown's just taking all the pressure off Mitchell Moses to perform, and that's really allowed Moses to to play his best game. And I think we've seen the same with Nathan Cleary. I think this has been his best season we've seen yet, and it'll certainly be having Brad Fittler excited moving on to the, uh, the second half of the year as we get closer to the state of origin. But just giving that extra time and space and taking the attention off him a little bit um, has done wonders for his game. And we spoke last week, and I think we'll speak a little bit later in the news section about Stephen Crichton. Uh, he'd been exceptional. His partnership now with uh, Josh Mansour on that side will be exciting to watch. Or, or if he goes on the other side with Botany Selesniak as well, you know, they've got two good wingers there, a couple of good centers, probably one of the most potent back lines um, in the league. And that's even without uh, Dylan Edwards playing fullback. Yes, yeah, Stephen Crichton's certainly been, I guess, you know, everyone was saying when he came in was, I guess it was between him and Brent Naden, really, for that, I guess, that, that vacant, well, not vacant, obviously, with injuries, that center wing spot. But yeah, he's certainly, you know, I think he's scored pretty much a try every game since he's been in grade and going from strength to strength and looking good. And I mean, you know, whenever you've got a young, a tall, young, mobile centre like, you know, Stephen, you know, Stephen Crichton, Wunga Blake, sort of those sort of guys that, got, you know, they've got some speed, but they've got some strength as well. It certainly just does wonders for, for your left or right edge, wherever they, wherever they are playing. Yeah, 100%. And you add to that. This week, the addition of Viliami Kikau. I think if he was there last week, well, the Titans probably would have just been obliterated. But um, his addition is huge for this side. I think we saw a couple of weeks ago, the NRL released the player poll, and he was rated a little bit surprising to me, but he was rated as the top second rower in the league. And I think that's just a credit to how tough he is to handle. And yeah, he's definitely uh, one of their top players. Yeah, look, he's, you know, certainly is, and they're working back this week against, you know, a pretty staunch man this hour when it comes to defence. Look, Sunday, 2 p.m. It's a traditional rivalry. Look, these two sides go back to what 1947 when their first clash was. You know, we know what they did in the 80s when these two sides pretty much dominated the league. Obviously, we're, we are talking about the Bulldogs and the Eels. Now, obviously, they are both coming off wins. I guess probably many weren't predicting that the Dogs would beat the Knights, but I think with that one, look, the Dogs played well, but I think that was probably more a case of, and I mean, and even Adam, Adam O'Brien said it in the post-conference, post-match press conference for the Knights. I mean, their first half was just diabolical. I mean, you know, they they were dropping ball left, right, and centre. I mean, yeah, it, it was wet. Obviously, you know that that's, you know, doesn't make it any easier to, you know, run your plays, hold onto the ball, all of that jazz. But even in those conditions, Tom, the Knights they really should have done a lot better against a side that they would have been expected to beat comfortably in the end but obviously they didn't and it cost them yeah definitely i think you sort of touched on it there but the wet conditions definitely uh, assisted the bulldogs so that sort of side that really enjoys those grinding um clashes where they can 
you know, just hold on to the ball and hold possession and not really worry about, you know, flamboyant plays out the back and just really beat them through the middle. That's what they, they did last week. You know, Aiden Tolman grabbed a try. Um, Avarillo grabbed the try off the kick. And in the end, yeah, they just they just outmuscled them. But I don't think you'll be uh, doing that this week against a pretty strong Eels outfit with, you know, Ren, uh, Campbell Gillard in pretty much the form of his life after scoring that uh, that runaway try last week. And Junior Paul has been good. Hopefully Ryan Madison can get out on the field after um, obviously his unfortunate incident last week. But, yeah, probably just see the, uh, the Eels having too much power for the dogs in this one. Yeah, look, I mean, I certainly imagine so. I mean, obviously, as an Eels fan, I'd be like, yeah, 100%. But, you know, the dogs have certainly shown they can grind out a game. And even in the, the clash in round one, was it round one? Whenever it was, when I think the Eels won, what, 8-6 or 8-4 or whatever it was, you know. And, I mean, we even touched on it in one of the very first pods. You know, they, I guess the, the Eels got, the, you know, that sort of, not lucky, but just sort of Reed Miney was in the right spot at the right time to dive on that ball and get that try. So we know what the dogs are going to bring from a defensive standpoint. But, yeah, I mean, it would be surprising if the Eels did lose this game, seeing as, seeing, you know, they, I guess they've gone toe-to-toe with the Roosters. You know, they've beaten the Raiders. They've obviously, they are now a top team in the competition. So you'd certainly wouldn't expect anything but an Eels win. But the guy I want to touch on for the for the Eels, I, I think I mentioned him last week too, but he was even better against the Tigers, obviously played more minutes because Mattison did go off, is Andrew Davey. I mean, look, this is a 28-year-old guy that was pretty much going to give the game away in a couple of weeks before he made his debut because I guess there wasn't much going in terms of playing. And, I mean, who can blame him, you know? Obviously, at that age, you know, you've got families to support. You have to do your own thing. But I'll be honest, I mean, I think he's surprised plenty of Eels fans. And, you know, a lot of us are saying, like, how is this, how is this guy not picked by a team before just because almost seems like first grade comes naturally to him, doesn't it, Tom? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, we've seen it so many times. Guys just come out of the blue, out of nowhere seemingly, but they've been toiling away in the lower grades. And I think that experience has really uh, helped him. I think it's almost in a similar vein. And obviously, they're at sort of different ends of the spectrum. But uh, tell you what we've seen at the Tigers with Harry Grant, where just those extra few years of experience in the lower grades has really helped develop them as players and become match-ready. You know, he doesn't look out of place in that Eels lineup, you know, whether he's starting or um, or off the bench. And I think he's going to play a big role down the stretch um, as the Eels sort of push for that that uh, that premiership. Yeah, I mean, look, certainly, you know, can't fold his effort by any means. And, and yes, you know, certainly it's a good foil to have come off the bench and just sort of, I guess, much like in that Ryan Mattison vein, obviously not in, not in the same class, you know, just taking nothing away from Davey and what he's done. But I guess just a back role that can... You know, make a half break. I mean, because after it was it was his half break and then offload that eventually led to, you know, Campbell Gillard's try. He took the line on, sort of swiveled around, popped the ball out. Gutho was there. Campbell Gillard charges onto it, gets the ball, and you know, as we saw, ran 50 meters and, you know, pretty much a try you would, I guess, not even think of contemplating that a prop is going to score by any means because props don't score those sorts of tries normally. Uh, but, yeah, look, I mean, that was certainly an impressive effort from Campbell Gillard, who, as you said, Tom, in the form of his life. And, yeah, I mean, I, it would be difficult to see the Eels not winning this game. I mean, it may not be a blowout because we know what the Dogs can do defensively. But, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised to see anything but an Eels winning this one. Yeah, definitely. But um, one guy I was pretty keen to chat about it on the Bulldogs lineup was Raymond Patala Mariner. I thought he's been pretty impressive over the last few weeks. Obviously, they lost Harawira and Ira down to the Raiders and, 
I think moving forward, he's really cemented his place as you know a starting second rower in that squad. He's been there for most of this year, but I think he'll be there well into the future as well. And yeah, he's been really solid this year. And I think the challenge for him now is just making sure he puts those those performances together consistently now. Yeah, he's certainly been pretty good. And I guess, you know, it's just about trying to, obviously he's got to cement it, but, you know, you want to just maintain that form going forward and show the new, or show Trent Barrett that he's got what it takes and tell, you know, to say, look, I'm I'm your back rower. You can rely on me and I'll do what you need me to do, which he's obviously doing at the moment. So it bodes well for him moving forward. Yeah, I guess in a similar vein to what we were talking about in the, with the Titans side, along with Josh Jackson and Luke Thompson there, they've got themselves a nice uh, back row combo to, to work with for the future. Yeah, they certainly do. So it'll be interesting to see how how Barrett will affect them next year, but that's next year. So, you know, we, we can, we'll touch on all of that down the track. So the final game of round 12, we have the Knights and the Storm. I guess, you know, we've touched on both of these sides before, earlier in the pod. The Storm, I guess, probably weren't at their best the first 20, 25 minutes, but that back end of the first half and then the second half, we just saw them, you know, blow the Broncos away, obviously on the back of Cameron Smith, who it just amazes everyone how at, what, 37 or 36, 37, he can still do the things that he's doing just to control a game, control the ruck, dictate the play obviously the work that he does opens it up for Munster and Pappenhausen who I thought Pappenhausen probably had I mean yes it was the Broncos people will try and make anything sound negative but thought Pappenhausen probably had one of his bet you know one of his best games this season just the Broncos just had no answer for him and you know coming out of the backfield he was just running running through like a, a steam train and the Knights as we touched on they were pretty poor in that first half thought they seemed to click a little bit better in the second half but too many errors, left the comeback too little too late. Can you, you know, is this one, obviously we expect the Knights to be better, Tom, obviously, is this one going to be a case of the Storm are too good or, or can you see the Knights causing the Storm some issues? Yeah, I probably think the Storm will be too good here. I think we've seen it over the years a number of times that these are the sort of games that you, you tend to want to back Melbourne in for because up against a side that, you know, will be there and thereabouts come finals time, you know, Bellamy's men will really want to be asserting their dominance early over, over the Knights and getting the wood over them. I think a, a interesting point to note with uh, Pappenhausen is he's really played his best footy when Cam Munster's been off the park. Uh, the last couple of weeks, obviously, with Munster out injured, he's really uh, shone, taking that extra little bit of responsibility. And I think his, his best sort of quarter of an hour of footy last week came in those 15 minutes when uh, Munster was off with his HIA. So it'd be interesting to see how that gels moving forward. Uh, with uh, Ryan Pappenhausen to see if he can really sort of build that combination with Munster while he's on the field, because if they can get that going, uh, I think they'll be a near indomitable force uh, come the end of the year. Yeah, and I mean, and, you know, Storm Juggernaut, like they're in second spot, obviously, with, you know, we and so many others touch on, touched on it even before the season started, when the season resumed, what are the Storm going to do? And here they are sitting after 11 rounds in second spot, Seemingly with no end in sight, with a, a veteran hooker and captain leading them around the park. You know, brilliant and talented pieces around him, whether it be in the back line or the forward pack. And, yeah, there just doesn't really seem to be any team that, I guess, can slow their momentum down at the moment. Yeah, not at all. And it's just been pretty awesome to see every player in this side really contribute and get involved. Like last week, we saw Tino Fasumawawi get a double there. Obviously, Cameron Smith did most of the work for him, but right from, you know, 
Ryan Pappenhausen at the top of the list through to all the reserves who have played a good bit of footy this year. Everyone's been putting in top performances week in, week out, and they've just been getting that consistency that we know uh, Bellamy sides are, are famed for. And I think that's something that uh, Adam O'Brien will be really trying to emulate with his side, who obviously uh, lacked the consistency last week that they need to, to really challenge the best teams. Yeah, that's certainly right. I mean, obviously, we know Adam, Adam O'Brien is, you know, very familiar with the Storm system, but it's obviously it's a work in progress in many ways over there as well, first-year coach, and just about seeing what works, what doesn't. But we certainly have quite an interesting round of football ahead of us in round 12. I guess most of the games, you know, probably have a clear-cut winner, but again, you never know in this game, but time will tell, and we should be in for a good week of footy, shouldn't we, Tom? Yeah, 100%, really looking forward to it. Uh, look, as always, we'll move on to some news. I mean, it, it, I guess the Titans have dominated the news for mostly good reasons. I mean, obviously, you know, it's encouraging to sort of see the the progression that the team is undertaking under Justin Holbrook, Holbrook, who looks like he's given a bit of time to really form this side into what he wants the Titans side and setup and culture to look like. So, you know, we'll just lump them all together in one. We've got Bryce Cartwright apparently wants out of the Titans, wants to return home to Sydney. You know, we know all about the off-field stuff that has sort of plagued him and it's all been discussed by many and, and whether you agree or not, I guess it certainly hasn't been the best sort of adventure to the Gold Coast for Cartwright that many probably predicted when it happened. We've got Shannon Boyd, who apparently is going to be granted a release to head back to the farm. That's not confirmed, but that seems to be doing the rounds in the papers. We know Ryan James is apparently being shopped around. Apparently he's very close to doing a medical at Canberra. For next season, which again will sort of you know free up those funds for the Titans, or at least to cover the contract of the man that everyone thought, where's he going to go? David Fafida, they got him, Tom. I mean, Fafida and Farsu Fa- Fa- Maliawi in the back row. I mean, shit. Oh, shouldn't have said that in the podcast, but uh, <laughs> but I tell you what, that's a good young back row pairing, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. They'll be um, super dangerous next year, and. You add that to the guys that we've been speaking about already, and they've got themselves a really nice pack to build off of. Obviously, I think a great point was made by Triple M over the weekend. I think it was Paul Kent was speaking, and he said that Justin Holbrook's probably not given the credit he deserves uh, in getting uh, Fafita to the club, and I think that's 100% spot on. We've spoken about, you know, Seabold essentially losing Fafita for the Broncos, but David Fafita isn't going to leave Brisbane for the, because of the coaching situation unless he knows that there's an equally you know, strong coach on the other side. And Justin Holbrook's really been a pillar of strength for that side this year. And as you said, he's been given a chance to really develop the side how he wants. And it slowly, you can sort of just see that jigsaw puzzle start to come together. And I think with Bryce Cartwright, obviously he's been quite disappointing when you compare uh, his form over the time he's been at the Titans to what he produced in Penrith in 2016. And in a very similar vein, Shannon Boyd, obviously, I think, I remember writing an article about him when he was going up to the Titans that thinking, oh, well, you know, 600,000 per season. If he can increase this motor, he could be one of the real top forwards in the league. And unfortunately, it just hasn't eventuated for him. But I I guess Ryan James, he'll be a good buy for Canberra. I think obviously alongside Howie and Ira, they'll have two new good guys who can become really good replacements for John Bateman. He's provided great service to the Titans while he's been up there. And obviously he hasn't had the best of luck with injuries over the past two years, but I think he's definitely got a lot more to play in his career. Yeah, I mean, you look at that forward pack for the Titans in 2021 and think of, you know, I guess the young, or the young blokes. I mean, SASA is probably going to be the most experienced of that lot. But 
obviously going to have, you know, Mo, Mo Fotowaka is going to be one prop. I guess whether they retain Damon Joloff, which on the back of his form you'd expect it to. A bit of a, you know, a late bloomer as well, but, you know, not old by any means. Fafida and, and Tino in the back row, then SASA, you know, manning the scrum there at lock. I mean, that's that's not a bad forward pack for a team that I guess probably probably six months ago, Tom, you'd look at it and think where are they going to go from here in terms of getting players. And they've got this this core group of forwards that are going to come in that really you could essentially form that entire team around moving forward, throw in a good, I guess, a, a new half, maybe a, a top centre. And they've got a side that is going places. Yeah, definitely. I think that half's going to be the last um, real piece of the puzzle for them. And then they'll be they'll be right up there as finals contenders. And I mean, as we've seen with Brisbane, a great forward pack isn't everything, but it definitely goes a long way to, to win games. And the fans up there really deserve it. You know, they've uh, had a number of uh, lean years there and it'd be great to see them, you know, similar to what we're seeing in the AFL at the moment with the Gold Coast Suns. Oh, definitely. I mean, look, they, they had a couple of good early years when obviously when they started, you know, got in some good pieces, but yeah, it's certainly been a lean, oh, what, Eight to eight to nine years for the Titans, give or take. So look, you always want to see every side have their have their chance of glory, and the Titans certainly seem to be moving in the right direction. So we'll, look, we touched on it earlier with Stephen Crichton. You know, he's set to resign at Penrith. I mean, it's a no-brainer, really, isn't it, Tom? I mean, I guess as we touched on for a, for, I guess for any kid to come into grade and perform at that level straight away, you know, you really only put that down to those, I guess, those freak sort of athletes, you know, we've seen it with, you know, Greg Inglis, Jared Hayne, Kalen Ponga. Obviously, Stephen Crichton is a very different player to the three of them, but he, he certainly has certainly has impressed more people than we were probably expecting. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, he's done everything Penrith could have wanted from him and more this season. He had a great start to the year, came off that bench in the first two games, provided a great spark, and ever since, he's just been electric when starting, and with Penrith run home, I can only see him cement uh, his spot in that club and his spot as a real star of the club for the long term. Yeah, good signs for him and certainly good, you know, good work to Penrith to to retain him. Obviously, he was already signed for 2021, got you know three year extension, so he's there long term. And as you touched on earlier too, Tom, you know whatever combination he he has with, you know whether it's Mansour with Malachi with Tanis Lesniak, even Brenton Aiden if he slots on the wing at some point, certainly bodes well for them moving forward. And certainly there's plenty of talk about, you know, re-signings in the news as well. I guess one that is has people a little bit ticked off, if that's the right word to use. Obviously, there was an article in the paper that Luke Keery was going to re-sign at the Roosters for less money. Obviously, that prompts a lot of people to say, oh, you know, Politis has a stronghold on, on you know, what the Roosters do and the NRL and the Roosters are over the cap, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I guess it's, it's a topic that you could just discuss for quite some time. But I guess at the same time as well, Tom, is obviously, you know, when you have a side, you know, the Roosters are back-to-back premiers. So obviously when you build a side that has that sort of, that culture, that camaraderie, everyone believes in what the coach wants to do. You've got your mates around you. I guess it's not surprising to see that a player would be willing to take less to stay on board, is it? Oh, 100%. Um, You've nailed it there. And I think the Roosters have really... Uh, join the storm in the upper echelon of, I guess, real professional sporting organisations in this country. And also, Luke Geary re-signing, that's great for the club. I know, like, one of the questions we like to ask our interviewees in the Fast Five is, if you could have any player in the league in your team, who would it be? And for me, if I had to choose any half in the league to put into my team, I'm taking Luke Geary straight away. He is 
ability to control a game, I think, is second to none. And I think even last week we saw when the Roosters were struggling, he just put the game on ice with a couple of sweet kicks, nice instinctive play. And, yeah, I think uh, he'll be a real uh, sort of pillar for that club to build off of for a number of years to come. Yeah, look, I mean, I guess he's been around for quite a while as well. So, I mean, I think he's, you know, late 20s now. So, certainly he's not old by any means. But it just, I mean, like most players, feels like he's been around forever. And he's certainly been a great player to have there, particularly you know, now with Kronk gone. Now it, it really is Kiri's team. And look, he's, yeah, he's grabbed, you know, grabbed the bull by the horns and just steered the ship. And I guess really taking that side to a, a new level and, you know, linking up with Tedesco even more. So, look, it's only good for the Roosters to have him stay and as I said, you know, any team that can get that sort of culture created from the coach and with the players buying into it, I guess it makes sense to see players stay and that's sort of the structure that any coach would, want, would really want to emulate moving forward. With Luke Geary steering the ship, they'll be a premiership force to contend with for, for a couple more years now. So the final two pieces that we'll touch on, they're both out to do with the Warriors, obviously. We know they've both been named this week for the Kiwi club, Daniel Alvaro and George Jennings, obviously loaned over from the Eels. I mean, I mean which like first first and foremost, which is great to see, obviously we, we've touched on it even four or five weeks ago when the first emerger is going to happen. Now it's happened. I mean, we've seen what David Fusitua, Ken Mamalo, Ignatius Parsi, King Vuniyawa and Levao Pulu have all gone back to New Zealand. I mean, in a, the squad might be 36, but in a squad that has some injuries as well, that's, th- that's five less plays you've got. So it's always good to see teams helping each other out, isn't it, Tom, when it comes to these sorts of situations? And, you know, as an Eels fan, I do hope both do well at the Warriors for, I guess, the four to six weeks that they're going to be there. Yeah, definitely. And I've been pretty vocal of my support of the loan system. And to me, it just makes so much sense. And we've spoken about the value of uh, the loan system for clubs and making sure players are game ready if they're needed later in the season. But for the players themselves as well, we've seen over the last week or um, when the players are more injury prone, perhaps, uh, especially the major injuries, because they haven't uh, been playing as much, particularly those guys who are sort of on the pine. I know Wayne Bennett was saying he was particularly impressed with how a couple of his guys went this week with um, not much experience, sort of, with not much uh, recent experience in terms of playing games. And I think uh, Daniel Havaro and George Jennings will definitely be good additions for the Warriors. I mean, they'll take any players they can get right now, but um, they're both two quality players and yeah, probably won't be needed for the meantime uh, at the Warriors. Just just a shame they have to come in for the first game against the Tigers, is all I can say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, as you said, it's great that, you know, teams are willing to loan some players and it's only a great thing, especially given the situation that we are in and, you know, more footy these reserve graders, or the, sorry, these fringe players can get un- un- under their belts, particularly with all the injuries, and it helps them to stay as fresh as possible. I guess probably... The last bit, I mean, came out of left field, maybe, maybe not, is Kevin Locke. Now, obviously, we know when he came into grade, he was, you know, gifted player, very versatile across the back line, even at 5'8", did some good things. I think he's 30-31 now, Tom. I mean, as the Warriors look to rebuild, I guess that's probably where you'd expect him to end up again as a Kiwi. Is he a guy that can sort of maybe help the Warriors this year and, and even next year just to sort of shore up some depth or... Having been out of the game for so long, do you think he, he probably wouldn't have the same impact as he as he once did? Yeah, probably lean towards the latter. I don't think he'd quite have the same ability to affect the result of a game. Obviously, 
he's such an electric player back in the day who relied so much on his speed. And at 31, he probably has lost a bit of toe. And as you said, he's been out of the game for so long. And, uh, you know, we're talking about the, the risks of guys playing playing games who are, you know, who haven't played for the last six months or eight months. And for Kevin Locke, he hasn't been, you know, playing professional rugby league since 2016. He's obviously been uh, in and around the, the whole uh, Sunshine Coast Falcons uh, Queensland Cup squad here and there, but you know he made a, a signing in, in sort of late 2016 to join Manly, and they ended up releasing him. So just not sure whether he'd, he'd, he'd make the squad for them. And I think if I was the Warriors, I'd definitely be leaning towards giving some young guys a crack and sort of taking a look towards the future. Yeah, look, I mean, I guess it's probably uh, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, not a pipe dream. I guess probably he's probably seen some players come back and thinking to do this, you know, wants to do the same, but. All players are different, and whether it all works for him or whether a team gets him on board, I guess that's up to them. But, yeah, look, I mean, we, we know what he could do when he was in the league, you know, going back, I mean, as you said, 2016 was when he was last last around and certainly made quite an impact, but it's a long time between drinks. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how teams approach that, whether anyone gets him on board. But either or, if they don't, I guess it's not, it's, you know, teams just move forward regardless well, that just about wraps it up for another week of Take the Two. We have an interesting round of football ahead of us. Plenty of games to look forward to. Let's hope there's no more, I guess, serious injuries happen to players. Obviously, I guess the two major ones being the poor Knights. The, that hooker curse continues. McCulloch and Connor Watson both out for the year with a, a severely torn hamstring off the bone and that ruptured Achilles for Watson. So not great news for there, but let's hope that players stay fresh and fit and we have some close matchups for the remainder of the year tom yeah definitely fingers crossed those guys can uh, stay on the pitch and hopefully my tigers can get up this weekend likewise the eels but should be a, should be a good round of games and we'll catch you next week